0: Last week, we looked at truth out of 1 Corinthians 13. And the title, first verse of that passage was The Most Excellent Way, The Most Excellent Way. And that passage, First Corinthians 13, and we read through um, verse, the first part of verse 8, um, really spoke about God's love. The most excellent way, God's love. Loving with God's love. What that looked like, what that meant, what it is, some of the definitions of it. And, and if you were here, maybe you remember, and if not, just a little recap. He's about recognizing that loving with God's love takes our whole being. It takes all of us, our, our emotional part of who we are, the, the mental part of who we are, the physical part of, of who we are, and, and all things at all times, some of all of the parts. It is about loving and loving with the love of God. That, that's how he loves us, and that's how we're called to love. A, a profound and powerful truth for all of us that will change everything if we only would do that one thing. greatest commandment, there's a reason it's called that. And today is, is, is an epilogue to that truth. I, I've been led to share with you a story of extraordinary love. The story of Hannah. Maybe you're familiar with Hannah, maybe not. Uh, Hannah was the mother of Samuel, and First and Second Samuel books chronicling his life. And at the start of 1 Samuel 1, this story begins, Hannah's story. And I'm going to read um, verses 21 to 28 in just a minute. But for us to be able to get what's going on there and to have that truth to I want to just give you a little background on, on how things got to the point that they did in verse 21. And so I don't know if you're familiar with with Hannah. Um, Hannah lived a long time ago, of course, Old Testament. But she was experiencing something that even though she lived a long time ago is not uncommon today. And that is Hannah was unable to bear children. He was, as Scripture says there, barren. He points that out in verse 2 and then a little bit later, a few verses down. That God had closed up her womb, verse six, who's was unable to have children, and now maybe that's a truth that's in um, your life, maybe somebody that you've deeply loved. I know that i've had the the opportunity to come alongside of couples and gals that have experienced that and now i'm not i'm not a, a female, of course, so I can 't get all the way to where Hannah is in terms of her heart, but but having the privilege of walking through that with people, I know that it's very, very difficult. And maybe you can think about that. Just try to, um, you know, immerse yourself in the story, connect with the truth that God's giving to be somebody who desperately wants a child and yet can't. Hannah desperately wanted to be a mom but she couldn't and it was hard tough and I think about I'm thinking even right now about about seeing names and faces of women who have have been in Hannah's position incredibly difficult and then adding to that if if you were to read especially you get into into like verses 6 and 7 um, you'd, you'd read about another situation that was going on in her life. Elkanah, her husband, had another wife, and she would never let Hannah forget it. You see, in that day, it, it was um, not just—I mean, I I'm not, would never discount how de- devastating and how hard it would be today to not be able to bear children. But in that day, it was—it was an incredible hardship and huge disgrace. And and. Elkanah's other wife knew that, and he would remind Hannah of it every day, berating her, ridiculing her. Now, you also read in that passage, in those verses, it speaks about uh, Elkanah's great love for Hannah. And so maybe there it was jealousy-driven. It doesn't matter why. The, the fact remains that, that Hannah's life was miserable. She desperately wanted to be a mom, couldn't, and then she had this woman lording it over her. She had children, was blessing Elkanah with children, with sons, and Hannah could not. And she would just rip it into her all of the time, nonstop. So just think about that for a moment, if that were you. Not easy, would be very hard. And it gets to Hannah. One time they were were heading off for an annual trip. So they would go to, in this case, Shiloh would be a place where they'd annually go to make sacrifices. That was a custom of the day. And so it's time to go. And Hannah goes with her husband, Elkanah, with with all of their other, the the wife and the children. And they're there, and Hannah can't take it anymore, and she just breaks down. So she goes to the temple, and she's there, and, and she's just pouring it out all of her grief, all of her sorrow, all of her her hurt and pain, just laying it out, praying before the Lord. And in the midst of all of that praying, she's asking God to bless her with a child, with a son. And she makes a promise. You, You can read about it. Verses 9 and 10 makes a promise to God that if you would so bless me with a child, if you would bless me with a son, I will give him back to you. Just think about that for a moment. We're going to read more about that in just a minute when we read the passage. That's her promise. The, the priest is standing there. He sees um, her, what's happening, and he thinks that she's drunk. You, you see that in verse 14. He chastises her, and she says, oh, no, that's not what's happening. I'm just overcome with my grief and with my sorrow. He recognizes, after having a little conversation with that that's true. And then he blesses her. And what happens? You read about this in verses 19 and 20, they leave, and then what happens? She conceives. God answers her prayer. God responds to the blessing that was given to her by Eli the priest. And she has a boy. And she names that little boy Samuel. And that's where we pick up the story of extraordinary love. So open your hearts and hear the truth that God has for us. When the man Alkanah went up with all his family, to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband, told her. Stay here until you have him weaned. Only may the Lord make his... Make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had him weaned. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, and epath of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. This is the word of God, might its truth be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. An extraordinary story of love. In the first few verses, um, verses twenty-one to twenty-three, is a conversation that Elkanah has with his wife Hannah. And I want you to think about this conversation. There's a couple of really great takeaways in it. And it, it it's, it's brief, just a couple of verses, but there's some powerful things that are going on. And so if you already knew what had happened and then you, you start to read right there, you realize that there had been a promise made, right, by Hannah to God. That if you bless me with this boy, I will give him to you. Think about that for just a moment. <laughs> that is really something else. And so they get to the place where the boy is young. And if you think about child raising and breastfeeding and children being able to be on their own and eat food and everything, he's probably somewhere between, to say, 18 months and two years, something like that. And the time has come for them once again to go up to Shiloh to make that annual trip to make those sacrifices. And so Elkanah's looking at his wife, and and she knows what he's thinking about as they prepare to make this trip. The boy is little, but she made a promise. And so she knows when—and you know how you have that happen sometimes? if if Somebody that you love, a husband or a wife or something, somebody close to you, and you don't even need to, to say something. You just look, you know, and you know what's going on and what they're thinking. Well, that's what's going on here. When she sees Elkanah look at her he knows she knows what he's thinking and so she finally addresses it she spits it out she says in verse excuse me um in verse 22 after he's weaned I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always what she's saying is I haven't forgotten I know what I said I'll make good on my promise And Alcono responds. And this is so so powerful. Just "Do what, what, what you think is best." And then he says these words, "But, but may the Lord make good His word." Um, and, and some of the translations say, "May the Lord make good His word in you or to you." And here's some of the takeaways. Think about this conversation, what's going on, and think about love and extraordinary love. So the first thing is, Hannah made a promise. Has anybody ever made a promise to God or made a promise out of love? Wow. Um, if, 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 you, if you partnered somewhere, and we had that happen last week, right? Ordination spiritual leadership promises. And people who are seated here, who are partners in the gospel, made promises to them. They made promises to the Lord. There's promises when you stand at an altar, you get hitched. There's promises in terms of baptism and bringing your child before the Lord. There's promises that you make in terms of confessing your faith, et cetera, et cetera. That's part of our tradition. We understand that. Promises made out of love. Hannah made them about her child, Samuel. There's something about love extraordinary love that that allows us to make those promises we usually make promises uh, out of love that that are good and and will bring future blessings right so that's one thing she made a promise she did it why because she loved the lord first and foremost she made that promise and then related to that is this not only did she make the promise what did she do she fulfilled it There, there, there's, a, there's a great opportunity when we respond out of love to make promises to then have disconnect with fulfilling it. But that's not loving. And I want you to think about the promise that she made. I, I don't know about you, but, but I think about that. And remember, this is a woman who was barren, who had no children, and who had that being stuffed down her throat every day. And yet, what was her promise to God that she then fulfilled? I'll take the child and I'll give the child up. Put yourself in, in her situation. How hard would it be to live out that promise? Do you think it was easy for her to sit there? And I just, when they had that exchange there in, in, in verse 20, and they're talking about she's giving the boy to the Lord, and just kind of, you can, can see it on the screen, that's just an image or something to help us think and visualize, just watching that child walk up. What's going on in her heart? Wow. but See, that's part of the conversation that they're having. And then what her husband says, too. He says, do what seems best, but then um, only may the Lord make good his word. What, what's he saying? I think he's being really loving to her. He doesn't sit there and chastise her, say, don't you think it's time, et cetera, et cetera, all of that business. He says, do what seems best, but then, well, then when he says, but, but, but only um, may, may the Lord make good his word. And, and you could say that again in you, whatever. He's, he loves her enough to remind her about the promise that she made and her need to fulfill it. That's something that in, in various times and in different ways I call loving enough. That is really hard. Not only is Hannah displaying extraordinary love in this story, Elkanah is to her and to God as well, both of them. And this whole thing about about keeping her accountable. Because, why? Because he loved the Lord that much. He knew what that meant. He knew how, how that had to be so they would be in a right relationship with the Lord their God. And the wife that he deeply loved, for her to, to be in a right relationship with God and fulfill that promise, and then for them together to live in a right relationship before the Lord, even though it meant doing a very, very hard thing. This is profound. It's extraordinary love. Those are some of the takeaways, and that's what happens. Extraordinary love is revealed. Verses 24 and 25. So they go um, up to Shiloh. And there's something that I don't want you to miss. This is really important. And yet it's just right there. And maybe as you read it, um, if you've read it before, you read it right now or you heard me read it, you might be wondering, well, what's that all about? Or maybe now that I point it out, what does it say happens that when they go up there? And remember, this is not the annual trip. This is a separate trip. This is not about going and, and, and bringing sacrifices as was routine. This is something that they do out of their own volition, if you will. They're going, and yes, they're bringing the boy. But what else do they do? Do you read it there? Verse 24, they bring a bull, they bring some flour, and they bring some wine. Why did they do that? Why is that even listed there? Do you know? They, so they bring it, and, and then it's a critical part of the story. And then they slaughter the bull, and then, and then they bring the boy to Eli. Do you know what that's all about? The bowl, the flour and the wine. It's about loving God. You see they bring that as a thank offering. They go before they even give the boy to the Lord. They go before the Lord with him and they celebrate God's gift of grace in this in this child that was given to them and and, and do you, so process that they knew it was only moments away this son that she deeply loved that she prayed for that she was finally blessed with she's going to give away and what does she do her and alcona before they worship and thank god whoa extraordinary love You know, oftentimes, in, in times of loss, and, and I, I've shared this every now and then at, at a funeral service with families, and I've seen when, when people are in the midst of that grief sometimes, the bitterness and the hostility comes out, and, and I don't condemn people for that. It's a hard time. You see, at that minute and that time, you ha- have some, some thoughts. And so every now and then I'll say, I hope we ask the right questions in the midst of our loss and in our sorrow. And what, that, what are the right questions, the whys, about why in the world in the first place? Think about this. And, and when I say this, is not about, about diminishing the grief. It's not about, you know, just trivializing the loss but it's about recognizing the love that God gave when he gave that child to you or gave that person to you, that loved one. And so some of the wise are, why was I so blessed to have this person be a part of my life? And rather than let hostility and bitterness towards God become the focal point, You let his love for you come in and fill you, help you through it, walk you through it, and understand and know the goodness that he gave in that gift of a life that was a blessing for you to have as part of yours. That's what they do. They thank and they worship God. Easy? (laughs) Not a chance. Did it say something about who they were and who God was to them? Absolutely. They take the time to worship and praise God before one of the hardest moments of their life. And then... They give this little boy, it says as young as he was, probably about three years old at this point. And I, I, I want to tell you, I can't even picture myself um, um, doing that. I, I have loved every one of my children. And, and I know that if God called and asked me to, I would hope that I would rise up. But I just picture her again just letting that little boy go. And that's about the only word I can just think, wow. What incredible love. What an incredible love for God. See, people could take that the wrong way. What is she doing? She's willing to give up her boy? Are you kidding me? I oh, wouldn't know the story. They wouldn't know what's in Hannah's heart. That's what takes place. There's love revealed when she fulfills her promise and her vow. She gives her child to the Lord. It is a powerful moment. And then um, there is an epilogue to the epilogue. If you're a little older, you might remember Paul Harvey saying the rest of the story. And so the rest of the story is this: if you were to continue to read beyond the passage that we read, and you get into chapter two, the the first full half of it is Hannah's song of praise to God. And again, go to go there. What just happened? Her her praise to God. Pretty powerful. And then she goes. You read about this in in verses 18 and 19. She would go up there each year, and I picture um, her going there. And there's this little boy, and she says, "You you see this sometimes, maybe at Christmas time or something. Oh, look what I got for you! It's a cute little robe." And she puts it on him, and they have a powerful moment. He would do that. She'd go up and see him and bring him clothes and gifts. A blessing there. She continued to enjoy that son that was hers but is more importantly God's. And then, and then, what do we read? I mean, Eli saw that and he prays a blessing upon her again and says, may the Lord bless you for the child that you've given up. And in this case, he indeed does. He pours out his rich blessing to her And I want you to think about this in terms of displaying extraordinary love, doing hard things. God honors that. He he honors it in different ways. And he blesses her with five children, more than what she gave up. I even think about what that means in terms of eternity, in a life of surrender before God, what we give up on earth. See, we're so short-sighted sometimes. You know, and sometimes, let's be honest, we do some of this and think, yeah, well, I did a really good job there. I worshiped the Lord for um, 52 straight Sundays. In the context of eternity, you know, no matter what it is that we're willing to give to God, we will be blessed beyond measure in a way that doesn't even compare. To anything that we could do because it's about who we are to be. And being a follower of Jesus is an eternal thing. And God wants each and every one of us, the epilogue of the epilogue, is to live with that. To live with that extraordinary love that God gave to the body and the blood of Jesus and to have it fill our hearts. He hopes He hopes, when you think about the epilogue of the epilogue, that the truth of Hannah's story leads to another of extraordinary love. Yours. See, this story raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? It should. Raise a lot of questions about our lives who we're being, about the love that we've been given, the grace. We just celebrated it, right? And what is it that we're doing with that love, and how are we responding to God? And what does that mean in terms of his purpose for our lives, who he called us to be? We have a, a a mission statement here, right? Winning people for Christ, equipping them to serve. He speaks to us as a body of Jesus and he speaks to us individually. And he's hoping, he's hoping that there's story after story as many people as are gathered here, if we could count them, and, and those that aren't here today, that those are all st- stories of extraordinary love, and then together they're one big one. And so what does that look like and what does that mean? I process that a lot this week. And you think about what the parts of the story are, right? How is extraordinary love revealed? In what kind of moments? Are we going to love God a little? Or a lot? Are we going to love the God who lavished his love upon us and filled us, gave us everything? Are we going to love him extraordinarily back? Or not? Are we going to love him in the most excellent way and others? Or not? When we have loss, when we're being called to do hard things? Or are we going to experience other things, bitterness, hostility? I had the opportunity, again, to come alongside of people in a lot of different ways throughout ministry. And I remember the first church I served at, a woman. Uh, coming into my office um shortly after I got there, and, and having a number of conversations with me, and the conversations started, and each time they got unpacked a little bit more, and there was more revealed um I'll take you to one of the last few conversations, and that is she had a son who was an addict, and she loved it was it was her only boy, and her husband had passed away, and her son moved in with her the dad wouldn't allow the son to be there while they were. Well, they were together, and after he died, the son came in and, and came into her life again, lived with her, and um, was addicted to drugs, and he would, um, just about anything you can imagine in that scenario, it was happening. So he would steal from her. Um, he not only um, used drugs, he sold them. He would ask her to um, drive. He didn't have a car, so he'd basically commandeer his mom's vehicle or something. He didn't have a license, so she, he would ask her to, to take him to places to buy drugs and to sell drugs. And I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with Chicago. There's some pretty shady places you should never be. She went there. Her own life at risk. And so she reveals this, and I'm listening to this. I'm listening to these stories, and I, I'm trying to... Um, be gracious in and everything, and, and just resonate with her, let her know, God's presence, and you can give her strength, all of the things that everything you may, might be able to imagine in terms of trying to, to give her counsel, give her support, encourage her, give her strength. And then, then she came in, and she shared it again, and, and same thing, I don't know what to do, I love my son, and then I asked her, I said, I couldn't help it anymore, I said, I have to ask you, why, why haven't you called the police, or why haven't you gotten other people involved in this, and why do you still do this? And she said, because I love my son, and I said, well, you've got to love him enough. remember after saying that she got up didn't see anything else he'd been crying the whole time got up walked out I didn't see her again for months a few months later she comes into the office she didn't sit down just stood and looked at me said I understand what you meant big pause said yesterday morning the police came to my house and told me that my son had been beaten and he might not live it was a drug deal that went bad and they also told me that if he lived he wasn't coming back to the house because he had all kinds of drugs on him yet and he was going to jail for the rest of his life And she said, so, I get it. She turned around and walked out. Loving with an extraordinary love is not easy. Now her story is radically different than Hannah's, right? But it still centers on the same truth. Everybody's story here is different. But when God calls us and he gives us that truth, gives us that truth, you can look at Matthew 22, verse 37. Greatest commandment. You can look at the story, extraordinary love and the truth that's revealed. And he's asking us all the same question. Will you take my love and will you love with an extraordinary love? Love. not brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ may our answer be yes we'll make the promises we'll fulfill them we'll live them out we'll give you praise and we'll give you thanks in the midst of hard moments and we will continue to love you as you have loved us might it be We pray with you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We know, Lord, that as we hear that, we hear the stories, we see Hannah and what it is that she did. We, we know, God, we, we, we've been there. We've had those moments where love is hard. Lord, we got them going on in our lives right now. Lord, whatever way it is that you can do it. And we know that you are the God of the impossible. We know that you are a God that loves us beyond any kind of definition, superlatives that we could attach to it. Your love is profound. It's great. It's amazing. I pray, Lord, that we'd humbly come before you. Let's share what we need to share. Confess what we need to Confess. Lord, that we change whatever needs to be changed so that we would be people who take your love, the most excellent love of all, and love with an extraordinary love in the most excellent of ways as a way of telling you how much we love you. We ask it and we pray it. With great thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.